0: Today we're gonna share the very last message in our 40 Days of Love series. And I hope it's been a helpful series to you as we've concentrated on God's love for us and how to help ourselves love more like God. And so we've spent these past 40 days on how to love like God loves because when you spend 40 days practicing anything, it tends to kind of stick with you. And we want this to really stick with you. And I hope you've been practicing loving other people As much as God loves you. And I hope that when people talk about Canyon Hills, that church that's on the corner of Fairmont Connector and Fairmont Boulevard, I hope that when people talk about us, they say, well, you know, they're not the biggest, they're not the smallest, but man, those people know how to love. Amen. Amen. When you're hurting, those people know how to stick with you, they know how to walk alongside of you. Man, they are the most loving people in your belinda. Man, I want that to be said about us. Amen? Amen. And I hope that they will come to look at us as world-class lovers, known for loving people and caring for people. And I hope that our love for others will not only be real and genuine and consistent, I hope that our love will last and our love will never change, no matter how our lives change. Because when our love lasts, no matter what comes into our lives to shake us up, When our love lasts, our love is really God-like kind of love. It's really genuine. It's really real. You see, whenever you're going through a massive life change, whether it's a health change, whether it's a job change, whether it's a parenting change, kids are growing up and, and moving out or going to school or whatever, whether it's a financial change or a college change, there's one thing you can always count on. And that is the unchanging love of God for you. Amen? His love never changes. His love is always consistent. And his love, get this, is eternal. No matter how bad you mess up, his love for you never changes one ounce. Amen? Oh, come on. Let me know you're there. Amen? It never changes for you. It lasts. It's eternal. In fact, God says this. I will show you, who? He'll show you, my love. How long? Forever. God says, I will show you my consistent, unchanging, eternal love. I will show that to you forever and ever. How long is forever? Amen? <laughs> it never ends. And you may experience lots of life changes, but God's love for you will never change. He'll never stop loving you. And God then wants you to express that God-like kind of love to other people around you. In fact, he commands that you give that same kind of unchanging love to other people. God says this, I command you. And do you see the word suggest up there anywhere? I suggest that you kind of try to love people as you love each other. No, he says, I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you. That means your love needs to be consistent, unchanging, and eternal, just like God's. Well, that brings up the question, but is that even possible? Can that even be done? To to have a love that lasts for somebody else for an entire lifetime? I mean, if you just look at marriages in America, If you just look at people who were so in love that one day they walked down an aisle in front of family and friends and God and there they committed to love each other until death parted them. If you just look at that, it looks like love cannot last a lifetime because the divorce rate in first-time marriages is 50% in America. The divorce rate for second marriages is 67%. The divorce rate for third marriages is 73%. So, is it even possible that you can have a love so awesome that it lasts? Is it even possible to love other people in the same way that God loves you? To love others with that unchanging, consistent, eternal love? Mark Twain said this You don't understand perfect love until you've been married a quarter of a century. <laughs> And I think there's some good wisdom in that. You see, love at first sight really is no big deal. Love at first sight is about attraction, being attracted to beauty, being attracted to personality. Love at first sight is really no big deal. You're just attracted. You're just aroused. But when two people have looked at each other for 25 years and they're still together and they still love each other, folks, that is God-like love. Love at first sight is no big deal, but love that lasts is a big deal. Now, I want to ask this morning, how many of you have been married, even if your spouse has passed on and your spouse is in heaven, but how many of you have been married 25 years, at least 25 years? awesome. That's awesome. Okay. How many then have been married for 40-plus years? Anybody? Married 40? Awesome. That is great. Now, how many of you been, any of you been married 50 years or more? 50 years? What stand up. Would you stand up? We want to congratulate. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Nancy. All right, there you go. Awesome. Now, would you two come up and teach the rest of this message. <laughs> 60. Whoa. Awesome. Awesome. These people have learned to have a Godlike kind of love. But the question is this, for those of you who are married 40 plus years, here's the question, was it always easy? No, not at all. If you ask these people to share their testimonies, they'd probably tell you it wasn't always easy to love each other. They would probably tell you there were moments when they thought they couldn't stick it out and were ready to move out. They would probably tell you that I I wanted often, even, to give up and to move out. But you know what? They didn't. They just didn't. They chose to express God-like love to each other. So listen, folks, when these people faced what I call the deadly Ds, the deadly Ds that every marriage faces, when they faced the difficulties, when they faced the disagreements, the disappointments, the defeats, the delays, the dead ends, when they had doubts, when there were deaths and debts and demands of married life, they didn't give up. They just didn't. And those are not easy things to overcome in married life. But all of those who just stood overcame the biggest D of all. They overcame divorce. So how do you build a love like that? How do you build a love that lasts and lasts for a lifetime? Well, God tells us as we end this series right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. Let's take a look at this. He tells us, he says, love, my kind of love, never stops being patient. It never stops believing. It never stops hoping. Never stops or never gives up. If you're going to learn to love others in the same way that God loves you, you've got to develop those four habits that were talked about right here in this scripture. First of all, write this one down. God-like love keeps extending grace. It never stops extending grace. And no relationship will will ever, ever make it without grace. God-like love puts up with things. God-like love lets things pass. The Bible says this in verse 7, love never stops being patient. That means it puts up with everything. It's patiently accepting all things. That means it's ready to make allowances for faults and flubs. God-like love puts up with mistakes. And why is grace so essential to relationship? It's because you married a sinner, amen? Amen. (laughs) <laughs> and he married a bigger one. <laughs> We're all imperfect. You're imperfect. Your spouse is, is imperfect. And when you have two imperfect people, get this, you'll never have a perfect relationship. The Bible says this, there is no one who always does what is right, not even One. The truth is, we all make mistakes, every one of us. And just like it takes two to tango, it takes two to tangle. Amen? (laughs) We all make mistakes. We all have faults. We all have disagreements. It's never just one person's fault. So there will come a time when you need to extend some grace to someone else, someone in your house, maybe your spouse. There will come a time, though, when you will want grace from somebody in your house. The Bible says this, be humble and gentle with each other. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. If you're going to have a love that lasts, you've got to learn to make some allowances for the faults and the flubs of others. Now, surely, Shirley knows, she's sitting here this morning, Shirley knows that there are two times every week that she needs to make some allowances for me. Those are during times when I'm the most tired and the most grumpy. Yes, pastors do get grumpy, all right? We're not perfect. We are imperfect. But she extends grace to me during these two times every single week. One of those times is on Saturday afternoons. As I'm wrapping up all things for this Sunday service, for this moment, I'm getting all things in my head and getting everything organized because she knows that on Saturday afternoons I get, change the slide, I get PMS. (laughs) I get pre message syndrome. I'm just not right. My hormones are messed up and, and I, I'm just anxious and, and, and I'm just kind of sometimes grumpy because I've got PMS. But then comes the other time, at Sunday afternoon. After preaching two services, after standing and talking with all of you and praying with some of you for over five hours, after that I'm physically, I'm emotionally drained. So on Sunday afternoon, she extends grace to me. She lets me turn on golf. She lets me take a long afternoon nap. She steals the remote as soon as I go to sleep, you know. But she extends grace to me on Sunday afternoon. And if I'm grumpy on Sunday afternoon, she just says, that's okay. She writes it off. She says, Larry's exhausted. He's tired. He's been serving the Lord. That's okay. Saturdays and Sundays, every week, she's offering me this kind of grace. So here's the question. Who do you need to extend grace to this week? Who needs your grace? Because none of us are perfect. And there will come a time when, when we all need some grace and sometimes when we need to give grace to others. Because God-like love never stops being patient. Next, write this down. And God-like love keeps expressing faith. Expressing faith. Godlike love keeps saying to your spouse and others, I have faith in you. I believe in you. It keeps saying, I trust you. So God-like love not only extends grace, but it, it expresses faith that we have in each other. The Bible says this, love never stops believing. Love always trusts. Love never loses faith. Now, anyone who's ever been a coach knows that the quickest way to restore a young athlete's confidence after a fumbled ball is to give the kid the ball again on the very next play. If you don't do that, he's going to start developing a phobia. Oh, the coach wants me to carry the ball again. I'll probably drop it again. So the best way to help a child to get over a failure is to put faith in them immediately and give them the ball on the next opportunity. Take the ball again. And the kid's saying, no, I'll drop it, coach. I'll I'll drop it. Yes, you dropped it. But everybody drops the ball once in a while. Take it, son. Give it to them again. Godlike love keeps expressing faith even after a fumble. Love never stops believing that they can do better next time. Godlike love expresses that we've got faith in you, we believe in you. I'll, I'll never forget how Shirley expressed faith in me 28 years ago. She had known for years that God had put a vision in my heart to start a, a brand new church. And so when Rose Drive Friends Church called us and asked us to move to Yorba Linda and start a new church here in East Yorba Linda it hit Shirley really hard it hit her hard we were we were just 35 years old look at this Don't you love the hair Okay we were just 35 years old that was 1989 we moved from Whittier to East Yorba Belinda. We we're 35 years old with three little kids so we were surrounded at East Whittier Friends Church with young couples, young friends, uh, children of the same age as our kids, and we were enjoying our friendships. We were enjoying successes. Our, our two daughters were born there and, and Shirley had such a camaraderie with the other mothers who were having kids around the same time. And it was just a time of friends and success and growth. We were settled. We were, we were content. And so Shirley began to struggle with leaving our current ministry and our, our current friends. Especially when there were no guarantees that the church would work. And if the church didn't survive, we well knew that we would be out of a job with three little kids to support here in Southern California. And so what did Shirley do? Well, she prayed, and she trusted me. And she expressed her belief and her faith in me. So after two months of prayer, I was convinced, and Shirley was still struggling But when I was convinced and I went to her with what I was hearing from God, she trusted me, believed, and supported every step of the way, and she still is today. Amen? That's 28 years ago. And today, that causes me to wonder how many people would not know Jesus as their Savior and Lord today. How many marriages would not have been restored if my wife would have simply said, no, I don't believe you've got the stuff to start a new church. I don't believe it's the right time for our family. I don't believe that you're hearing God right. No, Larry, I won't go. I won't move. What if she had done that? There would not be a Canyon Hills Friends Church today. Hundreds of people have come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Marriage after marriage has been restored through this ministry, and none of that would have happened if Shirley would have simply said, I don't believe in you. She, if she hadn't expressed faith in me and what I was hearing from God, if she had done that, this church would not be here. But because her heart is filled with God-like love, she expressed faith and trust in me. Here's the question. Who do you need to express faith to this week? Maybe one of your children. I believe you can do this. I trust that you're hearing God right. Right. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your husband, your wife. I trust you. Go for it. Who do you need to express faith in this week? You see, God-like love keeps extending grace. It keeps expressing faith. And third, write this down. God-like love keeps expecting the best, expecting the best from others. You see, God-like love is, is hopeful for them. Godlike love is optimistic for them. Godlike love expects the best of them and from them, expects the best. And when I think about that, my mind goes all the way back to when Shirley and I had only been married uh, four to maybe five years. And we went to our parents and said, We feel God speaking to us that we need to begin to travel from coast to coast and uh, speak in camps and churches and lead worship and do those kind of things. And so you know what, folks, we're going to sell out everything we have and we're gonna buy a fifth-wheel trailer and a one-ton Chevy pickup, Chevy Brad, not Ford, a one-ton Chevy pickup, and and we're gonna travel coast to coast and they're they're scratching their head and they're listening to all of this and they're they're saying, and how are you gonna make a living? Well churches give offerings when we come and if we do a really good job maybe the offering will be really good and maybe that'll get us to the next place. And our folks could have just, we were only uh, about 24, 25 at that time. Our folks could have said, you guys are insane. What in the world are you thinking? But you know what they did? Their godlike love expected the best for us and from us. They didn't squash the vision. They didn't squash the dream. You see, the Bible says this, love never stops hoping. They were hoping we were hearing God, right, for sure, but they expected the best. The Living Bible says love always expects the best. Love always looks for the best. You see, people around you tend to live up to what you expect of them. This guy on the screen, his name is Bruce Wilkerson, and years, years ago, he was a brand new professor at the University of, of Oregon. And after he had received his class assignments for the year, another professor looked at his classes and he said, you lucky dog. You got two Section A classes. And Bruce Wilkinson, being a brand new professor, said, well, what's a Section A class? The other prof said, well, Section A classes are just for the brightest students. They have the very best test scores. They're eager to learn. They always go above and beyond the assignment. They're a joy to teach. You're a lucky dog. Well, the year progressed, and Bruce found all of that to be true. The students were a joy to teach. And at the end of the year, his department supervisor was sending out and lining up new classes for the next year. And Bruce says, man, I hope you can give me some of those Section A classes again next year. Those students were awesome. And the supervisor looked at him and said, Bruce, what are you talking about? There are no Section A classes. Bruce says, but another professor told me that I had two Section A classes The supervisor said, that's not true. We used to, but we canceled those six years ago. Well, Bruce didn't believe his department supervisor, so he got out the grade books and he went back, and those two classes certainly got more A's than any of his other classes. He still didn't believe his department supervisor, so he actually weighed their term papers, and they were longer, they were better written, and they were heavier than all the other classes. But then Bruce began to realize that he had set those two classes up with higher expectations. He expected more out of them. He expected the best from them. He had set them up to do better than everybody else. So listen, God-like love expects the best from others. His students soared higher because he expected the best from them. Listen, you can set up other people up to soar, or you can set them up to take a dive. If you say you're always failing, you're always falling behind, you're never getting the work done, you're never going to make anything of your life, you're setting them up to take a dive. But God's like, God-like love doesn't tell it like it is. Maybe they are struggling. But God-like love doesn't tell it like it is. God-like love tells it like it could be, like it can be. God-like love says things like this, I see what you can be. I see all that you can become. I I believe that you can do this, so keep working. So here's the question. Who do you need to expect the best from this week? Who needs to hear from you that you believe that they can actually do more, that you see all that God's placed in them? You see, God-like love extends grace, expresses faith, expects the best, and then last, God-like love endures through the worst. It keeps enduring through the worst. God like love endures the worst that life throws at you. And boy, love can throw some tough things. I mean, life can throw some tough things, amen? Some really hard things. But you refuse to give up when it's dark. You refuse to give up when it's difficult. You refuse to give up when you're desperate. You determine to endure it all. Because the Bible says right here, love never gives up. Never gives up. Love endures every circumstance. Love always perseveres. Love never looks back. It keeps going to the end. And so as I thought about that scripture this week, I, I, wrote, out, I wrote out this little phrase. You may want to write this down. God-like love doesn't change directions when the road gets dark. Godlike love doesn't change directions when the road gets dark. No, Godlike love stays on the sun, same road until the sun comes back up. Amen? Your marriage may seem dark and difficult and discouraged, and, and you might be desperate, but hang on. Don't give up. Wait till the sun comes back up. Let your love be restored and renewed once again. I think God maybe brought some of you here today because you needed to hear that. Maybe because your marriage is in a dark place or maybe your finances or your job or your future is in a dark place right now. But God-like love endures the worst. It doesn't change directions when the road is dark. Like many of you, Shirley and I stood before our family and friends and we, we vowed to stay together till death do us part. And we took that vow seriously. Even though I was 20 and she was 19. See, we're really young pastors, amen? (laughs) Even though we were young, we took that vow seriously. Not knowing what life might throw at us. Not knowing what hardships we might face. But we took that vow so seriously that we agreed together on day one that the D word would not be allowed to be spoken. The divorce word would not be allowed to enter the doors of our house or enter our conversation ever. It would not be allowed to be an option. So on day one of our marriage, we closed the escape hatch by throwing away the key, the D key. We threw it away because we made a vow to each other and to God until death do us part. We decided that only God would be allowed to separate us. Not a judge somewhere. Only God would be the separator. So divorce has never been an option for us. Never been an option. Murder sometimes, yes. (laughs) But divorce, never an option. Because you know, life gets tough. Life gets hard. Sometimes it is hard. But listen, making that kind of commitment forced us to do something. It forced us to grow up. We were going to be together till death do us part. So because of that commitment, we couldn't run. We couldn't give up. So when things got dark, we had to grow up and we had to work through things. So right now, I'm going to give you 43 years of marriage counseling in two words. All right? Are you ready? This will solve every problem. All right? Grow up. You see, most every single marriage problem comes down to this thing of selfishness. I want my way, and you want your way. It's all about me and my and what I want, and you want your way. So you have to stop saying um, I, me, and my and start talking about we and our. Plain and simple, most every marriage problem comes down to this thing of selfishness. It's the greatest killer of marriages. So, to save a marriage, you have to grow up and start thinking about your spouse more than yourself. And when you grow up and you stay together through all of the deadly D's, you will come to a place one day where you find that you have built a love for one another that you would not trade for anything in this world. Folks, that is possible. You can have a godlike love that lasts, that you would not trade for anything. Shirley and I have now been married for over 43 years. She's my lover. She's my best friend. She's the one in whom I can confide. She is my partner in all of life, in all of ministry. And I so enjoy being with Shirley that I would rather talk with her than any one of you. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that, but I'd rather talk with her than any of you. I, I, I would rather hang out with her than anyone else. And when we go riding somewhere in the car, I would rather talk with her in the car, even though we've got an awesome stereo and we've got some great CDs to listen to, I would rather talk with her than listen to music. We love each other, and... Our love has just gotten better and better and deeper and deeper every year, and we would not trade it for anything. That's what I want for you. Now, maybe some of you are not there today. Maybe some of you are ready to give up. And if that's where you are, just listen to what somebody wrote years and years ago. It goes like this. I want to let go but I won't let go. There are battles to fight by day and by night for God and the right, but I will never let go. I want to let go, but I won't let go. I'm sick, tis true, and worried and blue, and worn through and through, but I won't let go. I want to let go, but I won't let go. I will never yield. What? Lie down in the field, surrender my shield. No, I will never let go. I want to let go, but I won't let go. May this be my song, mid legions of wrong, O oh God, keep me strong, and I will never let go. God brought some of you here this morning to hear that. To just say to you, don't give up. Don't let go. Instead, ask God to help you love like he loves. Consistent, unchanging, unwavering, eternal kind of love. Ask God to help you love others like he loves you. You see, God-like love keeps extending grace, expressing faith, expecting the best, enduring the worst. And those are four things that you can choose to do to show love to those around you. You see, God's extended that kind of grace to you, and now it's your turn to extend that kind of grace to somebody else. God's expressed faith in you, and now it's your turn to express faith to somebody else. God has expected the best from you, and now it's your turn to expect the best from somebody else. God has endured the worst for you through his son. Amen? And the son Jesus endured the worst for you, and now it's your turn to endure it for somebody. We all know that human love fades, but God like love lasts. And before you can offer God-like love to somebody else, you've got to get it in you. So this morning, I want to invite you to get the love of God in you, to ask God to fill you with his presence and his love. And you might be saying this morning, well, I've already done that. Jesus is my Savior. He's my Lord. I've already done that. But have you really given God every part of you? Have you really fully surrendered? Because when the God of love, that's who he is, is in you, that love tends to flow out of you. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Would you consider repeating this in your heart after me? Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior and Lord. And fill me with your love. The Bible tells me you are the God of love. So fill me with your presence and your kind of love. I ask this in your powerful name, the name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen.